I'm Abigail. And I'm Keith. And this is the Global Treasures Podcast. We'll cover different World Heritage sites each episode. These sites have been identified as having outstanding universal value. Because they have cultural and or natural significance that is so exceptional that it transcends national boundaries and is of importance to present and future generations. There are 1,199 sites across the world, with more being added every year. We'll spend each episode exploring the history, legends, travel tips, and so much more. Welcome to Season 2, where we will explore the 45 sites that UNESCO added in 1979. In this episode, Keith and I will be introducing you to Antigua, which is a city in the central highlands of the country Guatemala. It's also known as La Antigua, or Santiago de los Caballeros de Guatemala. This is a city that is the comeback kid of Central America. This city's history is broken up into natural disaster events that destroyed the city many times over, with rebuilding in between. Still, there are enough of the principal monuments preserved as ruins to warrant a UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. The city, for over 200 years, was the cultural, economic, religious, political, and educational center for the region until the capital was moved to a new site in the 18th century. Guatemala is located on the southern border of Mexico and to the southwest of the country Belize, which is one of my favorite countries. Surrounded by three large volcanoes, mountains, plains, and hills, Antigua was built almost 5,000 feet above sea level, in an earthquake-prone region located not too far from the modern capital city, Guatemala City. The Atlantic and Pacific are only separated by 200 miles here, and this makes Antigua close to both. The entire city has a grid pattern layout influenced by the Italian Renaissance. Road patterns of straight lines extend both north and south, and also east to west. These roads are all that remain of the city from the 16th century, however. Much of the surviving civil, religious, and civic buildings date more from the 17th and 18th centuries and provide some of the more beautiful examples of a style of colonial architecture in the entire Western Hemisphere. The distinctive architecture style is known as Barroco Antiqueño and contains key features such as decorative stucco on both the interior and the exterior, main facades with a central window niche that often contains a deeply carved tympanum which is kind of a circular or triangular area above the window. There's also massive buildings and low bell towers designed to withstand frequent earthquakes. What's stucco? Yeah, that's a great question. So stucco is a fine plaster used for coating wall surfaces or even molding into architectural decorations. So the city contains quite a few significant historical buildings where you can experience the history, architecture, and art of this beautiful city. The Palace of the Captain's General, the Casa de la Moneda, the Cathedral, the Universidad de San Carlos, Las Capuchinas, La Merced, and Santa Clara are only just a few of the more notable ones. A visitor will also note mermaids featured as a popular decoration throughout the city. Antigua reached its peak population of 65,000 in the 1770s, but most of the population moved away in the late 18th century which we'll talk about later. However, there was a significant population growth in the 20th century. Besides tourism, which is the main economic driver, 
The city is also known for its high-quality coffee and its chocolate. Now that's my kind of city. The history of Antigua begins during the Spanish conquest of the Mayans in the 16th century. Spanish conquistador Pedro de Alvarado y Contreras moved his troops into modern-day northern Guatemala, where they encountered the powerful and fierce Quiche Maya peoples. With the help of other local indigenous peoples, the Spanish defeated the Mayans in 1523. The conquistadores set up their first capital on the site of a former Mayan city, now called Eximche, on Monday, July 25, 1524, the Day of St. James. Because of this, the city gained the long but appropriate name of Ciudad de Santiago de los Caballeros de Guatemala, which translates roughly to the city of St. James of the Knights of Guatemala. St. James immediately became the patron saint of the city. Alvarado quickly betrayed the indigenous allies who helped him defeat the Maya. As a result, the indigenous peoples rebelled repeatedly. After several of these uprisings, the city was destroyed by a fire in 1527, and the capital was moved to a nearby safer place in the valley of the Almalanga on November 22nd of that year and kept its original name. This new city was located on the site of the present-day village of San Miguel Escobar. On September 11, 1541, a powerful lahar, which is actually a mud and pyroclastic flow from a volcano, violently swept down the valley and just simply obliterated the city. As a result, the authorities chose to move the capital once more, this time five miles away to the Panchoy Valley. On March 10, 1543, the conquistadors then founded present-day Antigua, Guatemala, and at the time, it was again named Ciudad de Santiago de los Caballeros de Guatemala. For more than 200 years, this city served as the seat of the military governor of the Spanish colony of Guatemala, which was a huge region that included modern-day Belize, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and the southernmost state of modern Mexico. As was a practice in Europe, both important church and government buildings were located around a central plaza. Between 1549 and 1563, the property directly southeast of the square was sold to the Crown of Spain and was occupied by the first president of the Real Audencia de los Confines. This was the lawyer Alonso López Serrato, who also served as the governor and captain general. This original building was quite small, but this would not last. Due to the constant problems between the conquerors and the representatives of the crown sent by the king of Spain, the Audencia de los Confines was abolished in 1565. In 1570, the assembly was restored, but this time independent of the Viceroy of Mexico, and was now called the Audencia of Guatemala. An audencia, by the way, was a type of royal court in the late medieval Spain among Spain's colonies. Religion dominates much of the colonial history of Central America, and the Franciscan friars were the first to move into the area and built a chapel on the site where later the Church Escuela de Cristo would be built. This chapel was destroyed in 1575 by yet another earthquake, and over the next 10 years, Donations were collected to build the new complex, just two blocks from the original chapel. The site became a major cultural and religious center for the entire colony, 
theologians, jurists, philosophers, physicists, and mathematicians studied in the school of San Buenaventura, which was located where the monastery ruins are today. The first building of a cathedral was started in 1545 with debris brought from the destroyed settlement in the valley of Amalonga. But, as you can imagine, construction was often hampered by, yup, you guessed it, frequent earthquakes. The construction of royal houses for the residents of the Captain General and members of the Real Audencia started in 1558. This complex included the royal treasury, jail, army headquarters, the hall of arms, and the housing of Audencia members. Throughout the 16th century, there were several destructive earthquakes that damaged and destroyed important buildings, but many of these were continually rebuilt. As the city moved into the 17th century, several important complexes were constructed, including the School of San Lucas of the Society of Jesus in 1608 by the Jesuits. This school became famous for its literature and grammar lessons, and was attended by the elite nobles of the city society. This temple was damaged by, again, continuous earthquakes that struck the city between the 17th and 18th centuries. The monks of San Juan de Dios founded their famous hospital and monastery in 1636 and became the organizing force that was in charge of all the hospitals in the Kingdom of Guatemala. San Alejo was established for indigenous people, San Pedro for ecclesiastical personnel, Santiago for Spanish, San Lazaro, and San Juan de Dios. In 1690, the school of San Francisco de Borja was established where the famed poet and priest Rafael Landivar would study and eventually become principal teacher. The 1700s was a rough century for Antigua. In 1717, a powerful earthquake leveled more than 3,000 houses and buildings. At the time, the Catholic Church held absolute dominion over the Spanish Empire citizens, and any natural disaster was considered punishment from God. In the city, the people thought that the nearby volcano named Volcán de Fuego was the cause for many earthquakes. On August 27th, the volcano had a strong eruption that lasted four days. The residents of the city asked for help from the church, and as a result, a procession featuring the Virgin del Rosario, which had not left the temple in over a century, took to the streets. There were many more processions until September 29th, the day of San Miguel. The morning started with minor quakes that lasted through the afternoon, but at about 7 p.m., there was a major earthquake that forced people out of their homes and into the streets, professing their sins and fearing the worst. Some of the rooms in the walls of the royal palace were destroyed, and this major quake caused food shortages, a lack of manpower, extensive damage to the city's infrastructure, along with many dead and wounded. As a result of this, a partial abandonment of the city took place, and this caused the authorities to consider moving the city yet again. The residents strongly opposed this move and even protested at the royal palace. This seemed to work as the city remained in place for a little while longer. The damage to the royal palace was repaired by the famous Diego de Porres, and while many say that this work was completed in 1720, there is evidence that Porres did even more work on the building as late as 1736. Just as life was returning to normal, the city was once again struck with disaster, 
On March 4, 1751, the San Casimiro earthquake struck and destroyed the entire city, causing the church roof of the Society of Jesus complex to cave in. The Jesuits asked for help from the parishioners, and it became one of the most beautiful buildings in the city after repairs were completed. A new period of prosperity began after this particular earthquake. The city streets were improved, and the residents even saw the introduction of tap water. A new city hall was built, and on July 17, 1753, the work on the famous plaza in front of the Jesuit church was finished. On June 12, 1773, Captain Martin de Mayorga was inaugurated. He, along with the clergy vicars, were the top authorities in the Kingdom of Guatemala who would drive the events that followed the major 1773 earthquakes. On June 12th of 1773, the Santa Marta earthquake once again destroyed much of the city, which was the final natural disaster that authorities could handle and rebuild from. The Spanish crown ordered the city to be moved to a safer location in 1776. The capital picked up and moved to the Valley of the Shrine, where Guatemala City, which is now the modern capital of Guatemala, stands. When the city moved, the name Santiago de los Caballeros de Guatemala didn't go with it. The new city was named Nueva Guatemala de la Asuncion and took on the patron saint, Our Lady of the Assumption. The badly damaged Santiago de los Caballeros de Guatemala was ordered abandoned by the decree of the crown, but not everyone left. This earthquake left many badly damaged buildings that were not rebuilt throughout the city, and these ruins can be seen today to give a hint of the former glory. The convent of the Society of Jesus was in ruins, and those who stayed behind helped repair it. Guatemala gained independence from Spain in 1821, and the Jesuit complex became public property upon the establishment of a secular government. The new government decreed that all confiscated Catholic church possessions had to be turned into elementary schools and university classrooms. Central Park is now the heart of the city with a reconstructed fountain acting as a central gathering point. To the north of the park is the Arco de Santa Catalina, one of the most recognizable landmarks of all of Antigua. The city is noted for its very elaborate religious celebrations during Lent, Holy Week, and Easter. Each Sunday night, one of the local parishes sponsors a procession through the streets. Elaborate carpets made of dyed sawdust, flowers, pine needles, and even fruits and vegetables adorn the procession's paths. Enough of the original Spanish colonial architecture had survived the massive 1773 earthquake to enable Antigua to restore many of the buildings and churches. This, combined with the UNESCO designation, has created a strong tourist economy to add to the thriving coffee industry in the surrounding valley. Due to the increasing popularity among tourists and its well-developed tourism infrastructure, Antigua is often used as a central location to visit other tourist areas in Guatemala and Central America. Many cruise ships that dock at ports in Guatemala offer excursions to Antigua from both the Pacific and the Atlantic. The city also has a sizable retirement community of expats from the United States and Europe. Interestingly enough, this city has also become known as the destination for people who want to learn Spanish through immersion. There are quite a few language schools in Antigua, 
and it is one of the most popular centers for studying the Spanish language. Language institutes, therefore, are one of the primary industries of Antigua, alongside tourism. Okay, Abigail, now that we're all excited to go see this wonderful place, let's talk about how we can get there. Antigua seems to have a pretty well-established tourism infrastructure, as you mentioned earlier. What else did you find out? Yeah, so for those who want to fly into Antigua, you'll need to take a flight into La Aurora International Airport in Guatemala City, as Antigua doesn't have its own airport. You can take a bus, rideshare service, taxi, or get a rental car and drive. Whatever form of transportation you opt into, it should take you a little under an hour to get to Antigua. I'm going to give you a rundown of some of the more interesting things that caught my eye to do. So you could take a cultural or food or cooking tour. These are often centered around chocolate making. There are also hiking tours that will take you to the nearby active volcanoes. If you want to check out a museum, Choco Museo would be an interesting choice. It outlines the history of chocolate, and you'll likely get some free samples. You can also tour organic farms, visit the Plaza Central Park, and visit some of the historic convents and churches. It looks like you can book a lot of these tickets online, and costs to visit these places or take the tours are relatively reasonable. The primary language spoken, of course, is Spanish, so taking a tour will allow you to get a tour guide in your native language. The National Museum of Art of Guatemala, which is located to the north side of Central Park, is considered to be a hidden gem as well. Many people bundle a trip to Guatemala City, but if you choose to do that, I would just mention that certain areas of Guatemala City have had instances of violent crime, so just like with any other large city, please be on guard and know where the embassy is. If you're staying in Antigua, there are lots of vacation rentals, homestays, hotels, and bed and breakfasts to choose from. You likely won't be fighting large crowds, though, while visiting. As of 2007, Antigua only had 34,685 residents, and they do get nearly half a million visitors annually, so that's not too shabby, but these aren't exactly Disney World crowds we're talking here. So I did a little research into the weather, and in terms of the climate, due to Antigua being near the equator and with the high altitude, the subtropical climate temperatures are in low to mid-60s year-round Fahrenheit. May through October is considered the rainy season, and rainfall can be quite high, so that may influence when you plan your trip. Also, keep in mind, as we mentioned before, religious celebrations should be considered when booking your trips in terms of crowds and availability. Around Lent, Holy Week, and Easter, for example, they do have those festivals and parades, so you may want to check to make sure sites that you want to visit aren't closed during this time. Abigail and I have run into this when visiting Italy and some other countries. All right, now I know that this city is famous for its coffee and chocolate, which is a great start. There must be more food, though, and I'm excited to hear what you've discovered, Abigail. You'll appreciate this. Lots of corn and bean-based dishes, such as chile relleno, which are stuffed peppers. And I learned that Guatemala is the home of the avocado, so thank you for producing one of my favorite foods. Visitors have a choice of over 400 restaurants, bars, and bakeries per my research. 
Wow, oh, that sounds great, and I know you're only scratching the surface. I'm sure there must be a podcast out there just about the food of Central America. So Abigail and I are lucky to live in part of the United States that has a lot of Guatemalan restaurants, and the food that I've experienced at these places is fantastic. So I'm sure that Antigua, and the country of Guatemala in general, is a gastronomic paradise to visit. With a city this old and steeped in disaster after disaster along with rebuilding, and with the importance of religion throughout that whole time period, there must be some fantastic legends and paranormal instances. So Abigail, I know you do the research into this. What did you find out about this area when you did your research into the city? Yeah, so I came across two legends of note. The first is of El Sombreron, which hits me as similar to a male siren story of sorts. All right, hold there. Sorry to stop you so soon. For those that don't know, what's a siren? That's a good question. So you'll kind of figure it out as I tell the story. But basically, a siren is either a male or female in mythology who usually uses their singing voice to entrap someone. Got it. According to the tales told over the years, El Sombreron is a small man in black boots with a large hat that masks his face. He roams the streets of Antigua with mules and a guitar. Supposedly, he uses said guitar to woo beautiful women with long hair using his voice, which causes them to fall under a love spell. He then becomes attached to them and haunts them, preventing them from being able to eat or sleep dooming them to a gruesome death. There's only one way to get him to leave, and that's to chop off the woman's hair. So, if you ever hear the strumming of a guitar at night in the streets of Antigua, ladies, beware. Well, this guy sounds like every male singer of an emo band. Well, minus the mules. All right, so what's the other un- legend that you uncovered? You're a regular stand-up comedian. So, the other traditional story I came across was La Tatuana, which I had heard before. During the Spanish Inquisition, it's said that a witch was purchased to be the servant for a powerful warlock. He schooled her in the art of dark magic and tattooed the picture of a ship on her arm. He warned her that if she was ever caught, that would be the only thing that would save her from her inquisitors. And eventually, she was caught and imprisoned. She went mad while awaiting her death. On the day she was set to be killed, she asked for one final thing. Well, three things. Some coal, white roses, and candles. She created a makeshift altar in her prison and drew a ship on the wall, exactly like the one tattooed on her arm. She whispered some words. What she said, no one knows. But somehow, she boarded the ship on the wall and vanished, never to be seen again. Oh, that's a fantastic story. How is that not the basis of a movie yet? Perhaps Disney should do it. Those are fantastic legends, Abigail, thank you. And something for us to keep an eye and an ear out for when traveling the city. All right, I know that some UNESCO sites are difficult to keep safe from over-tourism and environmental degradation. What about Antigua? I can imagine that an area that is so prone to earthquakes and increased tourism might have its challenges. Your thoughts are exactly right. Most of the issues and challenges that are faced keeping Antigua safe are primarily related to the skyrocketing number of tourists that are visiting the area. Antigua was first granted legal protection in 1944, 
when it was declared a national monument. The purpose of giving a city, or really any place, this status is that it protects the site from urban development, but unfortunately, no organization was specifically appointed to do the job, so it didn't do much to curb the growth because no one stepped up. Once it was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site, though, that's when they started monitoring the effects of tourism. There's also concern about keeping up the maintenance with cleaning the buildings to prevent damage from the volcanic ash. There have been disaster management plans put into place more recently to protect the buildings in the case that either volcanoes erupt. Based on what I've seen, Guatemala is doing an amazing job with its UNESCO sites, including the work that they're doing on earthquake mitigation. Well, with the history, resilience, architecture, art, and legends that make up this city, I can see why it was included in the list of UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And I'm actually putting this one firmly on my bucket travel list. Thanks, all of you, for coming along with us on the discovery of this gem. That makes two of us. Guatemala, we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you for listening to the Global Treasures Podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube, and please let your friends know about us. See you next time when we visit the archaeological site of Carthage, Tunisia.